Michelle Matthews, a Senior Vice President with Purpose Built Communities. So excited to be talking today with Sydney Franklin, who is the President and CEO and Community Quarterback in Omaha, Nebraska, 75 North. And 75 North focuses in the neighborhood Highlander. And so we're really excited to hear what's going on in that community today. Hey, Sydney, it's so good to see you this morning. Appreciate you taking the time to talk with us. So we're really excited to learn a little bit about what's happening in Omaha with 75 North and the Highlander neighborhood. But before we really get started, I'd love to know just how are you doing? These are challenging times. And just give us a perspective of how are you doing? You and your family are doing. Good morning, Michelle. Hi. Uh, you know, we're doing well, uh, considering everything that's going on. Um, you know, 2020 has been a year. It is. It has been a year you know, dealing with, as you said, I have a, a new baby girl who turned one about three weeks ago and all of the joy of motherhood and seeing her, you know, grow and walk and try to talk has just been incredible. But it's also, you know, to be candid, it's very terrifying too, considering what's going on with this global pandemic that doesn't seem to be going anywhere. And now that's coupled with, you know, across the country, this social unrest you know, folks, you know, standing up and, and, and demanding, um, you know, to be heard and, and, you know, for justice to be served for some of these injustices that have been happening in, in too many communities across the country. And so while I am, you know, elated to have welcomed a, a new life into, into this world, I'm terrified. You know, it's one of the assurances that I have is that the work that, you know, 75 North and that I get to do every day you know, using the purpose-built communities model, I do feel like that that's some of the solutions I get to help and, you know, implement and, and be, you know, a change agent on some of the things that I think will, you know, resolve some of these inequities that are, you know, are pervasive across our, our country. So in that, I have some solace, but it, these are, these are scary times. Yes. I think we're all just trying to figure out how we manage personally and professionally. And I think it's becoming clearer that, that this isn't just going to go back to normal. And in a lot of ways, that's good for our work, right? That some of the normal as sort of the broader America thinks sometimes is not necessarily the life we want for all individuals. So it's going to be interesting to see how we transition to something that is, is more equitable. So I know that we just uh, re recently you were announced as the president and CEO of 75 North. So I also want to get a perspective of how is the work that you're doing or how do you see it differently sitting in that seat? So I'm only about a, a week and a half in, you know, as, as 75 North's newest president CEO, our second, I mean, our, our founding president CEO who had been with the organization for a decade, Othello Meadows, I was in a really fortunate spot in the organization. I've been with 75 North just over five years and getting to watch his leadership, his, the way he's been a friend and a mentor to me, I feel like I've been set up for, for success here. And so the lens isn't all it, it, it isn't too different, I'll, I'll, I'll say, but just the, the feeling of the weight of the responsibility of this work and the organizations on my, my shoulders solely, you know, it's, it's, an, it's a little overwhelming initially. I, there, there's been a transition period that I'm still working through, but I think the exciting part of it is that I get to take all of the things that I've been able to do with Othello, working in lockstep with him over the last five years, taking the things that he's been doing for the 
past decade to change the physical um, landscape of this neighborhood to advance. You know, this neighborhood is what we hope to be one of the most well-resourced in, in Omaha. Being able to take that and then embed my own vision, you know, for this neighborhood and this work has been exhilarating, honestly. Like, I, I am over the moon excited that I'm in this position. And so I have some big goals and objectives that I plan on reaching with my staff and with this neighborhood and this community that's evolving and changing and we're evolving and changing, you know, with the community. And I think that's the fun part. So we're going to get to some of the things around your big vision, but before we do that, you know, now uh, a number of our listeners perhaps were at the conference when we came to Omaha a few years ago, but some people are not familiar with the Highlander neighborhood. So set the stage for us a little bit, brag a little bit on your community and, and kind of give us its character so we better understand some of the initiatives in the context of, of the neighborhood. So the work of 75 North is embedded in a neighborhood called Highlander. So Highlander sits in Omaha, Nebraska, which is uh, the state's largest city. It's right on the eastern border of the state. So we're right on the Missouri River next door to, to the western portion of Iowa. Highlander sits in the northeast quadrant of the city. So we are in a vast part of the city that's uh, known as North Omaha, Uh, North Omaha historically is and has been kind of the the heart and soul of the city's African-American community. Um, And without getting, you know, too far into the history of of this this community, you know, we have a similar story as many predominantly African-American communities across cities, across the country that for decades have been disinvested, devalued, you know, the victim of, of racial, racial segregation and redlining that have just called, caused massive neighborhood decline. Um, and as a result, you know, we see families to this day that are still struggling with poverty intergenerationally. Highlander is the former site of two large-scale public housing complexes that uh, for decades contributed to the neighborhood decline that exists in this community. And so 75 North found opportunity to to change the physical landscape of this community and to help bring some resources to this community after subsequent to our housing authority, the Omaha Housing Authority, demolishing these two public housing facilities. They were demolished in the the late 1990s and then in the roughly 2009-2010. And so there was this vast land acquisition opportunity, really. You know, Highlander sits in a really central part of Omaha. We are, you know, about a half mile from a really vibrant uh, midtown area. We're about a mile and a half from our downtown corridor. We're right uh, along the corridor to get to our our airport. And so I feel like another opportunity, this would present an incredible opportunity for some developer to come in and say, this is where I'm going to invest because of the proximity to all these other kind of neighborhood and community anchors that exist in terms of commerce and and mixed use development. And and the land set vacant because of the negative perceptions uh, associated with the neighborhood. And so 75 North was fortunate in that a really forward thinking local philanthropist stepped in and hired Othello Meadows at the time as a consultant to guide the acquisition of what was roughly 23 acres of contiguous land. So it wasn't just kind of a hodgepodge of, of homes and parcels. It was a contiguous 25 acres of land. Othello guided the acquisition of that property, and that local philanthropist uh, was aware uh, well of purpose-built communities and, and the good work that had, had happened in East Lake, Atlanta, uh, in East Lake in Atlanta. 
And so that's kind of the, the origin story of 75 North. We use the, that 25 acres as the foundation for really intensive, deep diving, geographically focused neighborhood revitalization strategy. And so, I mean, I don't have to tell you, but we've used the, the, the kind of a three-tier model, the purpose-built model to enact change in this, in this community. And so the way we've enacted the purpose-built model is our mixed-income housing strategy to date. We've constructed just over 100 units of really, really high quality, beautifully designed and built townhomes, row houses, different styles of apartments that accommodate a variety of, of income levels for, for families and individuals. It's really important for us that we create some economic diversity in this community. Too, uh, for too long, this was a place of concentrated poverty and, and, as I mentioned, intergenerational poverty. So that economic diversity was, was um, essential for us. That initial housing phase sits adjacent to a large-scale also beautifully designed facility called the Highlander Accelerator, which for us is the source um, and the home and the hub for all these community resources that we think add value and vibrancy to the life of the individuals, the businesses, the other organizations that you know live and work in, in this community. So we have satellite campuses for two, two colleges and universities. We have the neighborhood's first coffee shop. We have a restaurant in this building. 75 North's office is in this building. We have a large-scale greenhouse. We have a place, a rentable event, event center where folks can get married, where folks can have board retreats and community meetings, neighborhood association gatherings. It's really the, the kind of heartbeat of this neighborhood and this work. And then just down the street, probably our kind of prized achievement, which doesn't get enough coverage, I'd say, is uh, 75 North now has a five-year partnership with Omaha Public Schools, which is our public school district, to reconstitute our neighborhood school, which is called Howard Kennedy Elementary School, which for too long had struggled. You know, just under, well, I'll say just about 100% of the students that attend that school, even to this day, qualify for free or reduced lunch. There's still a existing public housing facility just across the street. So there's a a tremendous opportunity that exists to support that school. We have basically stolen a lot of the methods that are being embedded in Drew Charter School in, in, in Atlanta. We've tried to emulate the way that that school operates in terms of its curriculum, the way that teachers receive professional development, the way that the principal serves as a leader. Howard Kennedy has a longer school day and a school year. It has intervention labs and math and reading literacy and science. And so all of this is to advance the neighborhood and create really what we think is a transformational landscape for the families here. And so, yeah, that's kind of who we are. You know, as you were detailing some of the things that are happening, that have happened in the neighborhood, before I uh, sort of transition and talk about how are things in, I call it a time of COVID, there's two things I remember about times that I've come to Omaha. One of them is I love how 75 North, you sort of turned that on its head in terms of the devastation that's 75, the, the interstate coming through the community. And, and so choosing that name, I'd like you to tell our listeners a little bit more about that. Because like I said, I feel like you're taking something that potentially was devastating and, and, and turn it into something positive. And I think that's instructive in these times, right? When we look at symbols and we look at different things. And so how could we take our history that maybe is negative and turn into positives? So I'd love to hear you talk about that. But the other thing that um, is really a visual memory for me is when you dedicated the accelerator 
and that beautiful space. And you and, and Othello were, you know, sharing words. And in the background, children were playing and laughing and they were outside and getting exercise. And, and that's to me so embodied the spirit of the work that you're doing, but it also embodies what we're trying to do. And so I, I just share that I thought that's such a powerful thing. And I guess you're seeing that sort of every day as you're in that space. So talk about the name and then kind of what that transformation has meant so far to the community. 75 North, our name is definitely symbolic. So so the, the Northeast part of of Omaha, as I've mentioned, was the kind of the heartbeat of, of Omaha's African-American community. And it was a place of true vibrancy. Families were healthy, small black owned businesses were thriving. It was a place of, you know, some of the country's jazz origins are from Omaha, Nebraska, arts and cultural districts and, and small business work thriving. And again, you know, the, the same story with, with redlining and, and racial sh- segregation have just caused a pervasive neighborhood decline. And then also in the 1970s, a North-South Highway was embedded into our community and it, and it basically made room for that, that highway. I want to say 30 to 35,000 homes were demolished in the soul and the heartbeat of Omaha's African-American community. And what's interesting, if you, if you, if you read history books uh, I mean, and talk to um, some of the African-American histori- historians in our city, the highway was slated to go through a predominantly more affluent white neighborhood, but because of political pressures, that neighborhood had the ability, the cloud and the resources to have that, that highway redirected. And of course, um, it intersected with North Omaha and, and physically divided uh, a community that, was, that had for years uh, been a place of, of vibrancy and hope for families. And so 75 North in the Highlander neighborhood sits on the western part of the 75 five highway. And I mean, it's, we're, we're just two blocks from that highway. It's our, it's our Eastern border. And it's, it's created devastation in terms of resources for, for kids and schools, for our infrastructure and our roads, and then also our neighborhoods and our homes. And so as a, as a way to pay homage to that and kind of to take back really something that was taken from this community, that, that decision was made to, to call 75 North. Uh, what we have, which is 75 North. And so we have, I almost put on a t-shirt, which is, you know, because of COVID and, and working from home, I kind of have on my 75 North gear almost every day, but I decided not to, to put it on. You mentioned kind of this picturesque background when we did a donor engagement kind of party, when we were opening up some of our initial developments, our initial housing development, and then also that large scale community enrichment center called the Highlander Accelerator. And I think folks think we planned it, but we didn't. We have this beautiful event center that I referenced uh, previously. And there's one of the the south facing walls is like a glass accordion style, you know, window door that on a beautiful day, you can kind of slide it open and have a space that, you know, you you can flow inside and outside. And I don't know about it, maybe two blocks from, from that venue space is the neighborhood's playground. That's, you know, all of these things are adjacent to each other. And that was very intentional. And so it was about five 30 um, at this reception. And while our president and CEO, our former president and CEO was kind of doing the dedication, there were kids playing, riding bikes, going down slides, going back and forth from the swimming pool that that's also in our neighborhood 
And it was so beautiful and picturesque. People honestly thought that we planned it. And it's like, no, this is, these are these are steps from 75 North's office. This is what I get to come to work to and, um, and, and leave from on, on a normal day. And I think that this is what the purpose-built model emulates, really, is, is this idea that you know, children have a safe place, that families have the assurances that if I let my children outside my front door, that they're going to be safe and surrounded by other children uh, that may or may not look like them, that could come from, you know, a household that may not be just like the, the household that they're from, but that there's safety there, that there's inclusion there, and that it's a place. It's a place that that means so much. And so people obviously to this day still ask us about that. And it's one of the moments of pride for us as an organization is the fact that we are a place where children are safe and where families can grow. And so speaking of children and families, you know, let's shift a little bit to how are people in the neighborhood adjusting to this COVID moment? And uh, what are some of the things as a community quarterback in the place that you have been able to support your families as they've been going through this pandemic? The primary challenge that I think most families in, High- in Highlander and some of our you know, adjacent communities are facing is the virtual versus you know, staying at home issue that parents across the country are facing. And because 75 North you know, we're essentially landlords to just over 100, you know, units of housing. We've been working with our property management companies to assess eviction risk or folks that are um, dealing with, you know, being laid off or furloughed. And we've essentially created a pot, a pot of funds to support them so that, you know, that is not an issue that some of our families are having to face. We've done the same thing with our small business operators that are operating in the, in the accelerator. We essentially waived their rent obligations for three months so that they could focus on sustaining their business model, keeping employees, paying benefits, et cetera. And so all of this is coupled with this outstanding issue of our kids going back to school in a couple weeks in some cities. And for us, our superintendent has rolled out a hybrid model. So, you know, kids are going back to school in class, you know, some weeks, two, two days a week, other days, three days a week, and then the rest is virtual learning. And the impact to families is, you know, for some it's a, it's devastating and, and for others it's, it's another obstacle, you know, during these times that they're having to face. You know, my daughter is one, so I'm not having to, to deal with, you know, the challenges of virtual learning. But one thing that has kept, you know, coming to mind is, you know, in Omaha, there's this expectation, expectation that teachers are sending virtually homework home. They're sending electronically, you know, meeting invites third graders are having, you know, conference calls with their teachers and classmates. And, you know, that's, that's all fine and and good. But what about those families that don't have a device to to log into that virtual class discussion? Or what about the family that that doesn't have the data or the Wi-Fi access so that their child um, can do their homework virtually? And so that's coupled with other issues that we've realized in terms of people accessing telehealth and mental health supports, abilities to act, access jobs, fill out resumes. We've also heard um, instances where folks that are dealing with the, with the justice system being a, that are on, you know, let's say probation that are having to, to log in to do different things. This, this issue of technology and, and how the, the world essentially has moved to a virtual existence isn't a, a possibility for all of us. And it's another inequity that we realize is, is a, is a realism in this community. And so in response to that, we have partnered with some of our, our largest philanthropic partners 
folks that work in the technology industry that know much more about that field than 75 North does to come up with some real solutions. And so one of the things that we've realized through that process is that the, the towers, the data and Wi-Fi towers throughout our city, they are not as densely populated in the eastern part of our city where Highlander sits as they are in other, other portions. So there's these massive gaps in terms of like data coverage that exists in our community. And so we've uh, come up with a, a solution that um, is temporary while we come up with some more permanent solutions. But basically these traveling hotspot pods are going to be traveling throughout our community to basically fill in those gaps. We'll have one of those pods at Highlander, and then we'll also have a pod at our um, at Howard Kennedy Elementary School so that families in and around our community can log on and, and use the internet. Uh, we're also looking at working with our public school system to make available devices for kids and, and adults. Actually, our, our superintendent and our board of education approved the purchase of 54,000 devices. And, and we understand that that's not going to solve the problem wholly, but these, these are some of the strides that we've made to date. How do you find the work that you have been doing, let's say in 2019, and then with COVID, how has your relationships in the neighborhood, your knowledge of the, of the neighborhood, do you think that you would be able to do some of these things if you didn't have sort of that groundwork laid? I, I guess I'm really interested in, given the moment, the value proposition or the relationships that you have that has allowed you to be able to do some creative things. What's your take on that? You are absolutely correct. You know, the strength of 75 North and our ability to advance this, this neighborhood or contribute to that advancement is through our partnerships. You know, our, we, we do what we do well and the things that we don't do well, we bring on really high quality partners. When, when we talk about technology access, when we talk about issues relating to, to food security, when we talk about, you know, advancing someone's opportunity to, to be financially independent, these things and programs and resources happen through partnership. And one of the initial things that we did before, you know, some of these beautiful structures were erected was we brought on those partners and said, this is our vision for this neighborhood to be one of the most well-resourced in, in all of Omaha. And so the work that you're doing in these certain communities, how you're advancing for these individuals, we want that in Highlander. So for us, that looks like actual tenant space in this, in the Highlander accelerator, but in other scenarios, it's, it's just a partnership. So when we talk about the need right now for so many of us to have our basic needs met, you know, 75 North is a facilitator of these resources. And if we had not positioned ourselves really from the, from the beginning as a facilitator of services and a resource provider, then we would be in a bad spot because you know, through that, that work, we've been able to learn more about the service providers in this community. We've made space for new service providers in this community. And we've also had an opportunity to get our, to get to know our families better through that. You know, folks know that they can come into this office if they have a need. And if it's something that we can't support them directly, we'll put them in contact with, with someone that, what, that can. And for us, that's essential to the work that we're doing here.
knowing a little bit about Othello and some of his work, he was a part of our racial equity ambassador program. And I heard him talk about being more intentional and thinking about things through the lens of equity. You know, the story that comes most to mind is how he talks about how you have to think about maybe contractors, particularly around construction and how do you do capacity building and some of those other things that help give opportunity perhaps to small business and neighborhood businesses that maybe didn't have the opportunity before this this project. I sort of use that as a lead in. I'm interested in how are you seeing the work that you're doing through the lens of equity, which I know has always been important, but you know, how is it either resonating or more challenging or more or, or easier given the national spotlight that we're seeing around people better understanding what equity really is and some of the racial injustices that are embedded in our system? Are you seeing a need to do some things differently? Um, how, how are you seeing that space right now? The issue of racial and income inequities is something that we're dealing with constantly in in this work. And 75 North, we've positioned ourselves as, you know, someone who can carve out space and opportunity for individuals and businesses that may otherwise not have a seat at the table. And for us, that, that is, that's everything. You know, one thing that we're doing when we're talking about some of these systemic things, these institutional challenges that are that are keeping folks out of these opportunities to advance themselves, their communities, their families. You know, 75 North is constantly in this position where we're having to bring some of our partners along so that they understand the injustices that occur when equity is not, you know, a center focus. And so, you know, you bring up the 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 contractor and the construction work example. And, and I feel like that's a perfect example. You know, 75 North is building in a historically African-American community. We're building in a historically underserved and disinvested and devalued community. And so who better than us than to create and carve out space for folks that otherwise may not have an opportunity or a seat at the table. So, you know, that that exists in, in our workforce uh, partners that exists and, and who we, we bring on con- contractually. And then that kind of goes down the line when we talk about opportunities that our children have and the spaces that they have that, you know, some of their wealthier, um, oftentimes wider counterparts in, in communities throughout Omaha, just the regular opportunities that they have. And so we hope that we can be a provider and a facilitator of some of those things so that the playing field is, is more level because right now it, it, it isn't. And if not 75 North, then who? You know, at the top of our conversation, you were talking about your about, I think, formally a week and a half in and you've been a partner in the organization for a number of years. Talk to us a little bit about the vision that you see in terms of things you're excited about on the horizon and let us know sort of how your vision is being impacted again by the time that we're in and what it's going to take to sort of recover from this pandemic and what we know are going to be economic challenges? You know, one of 75 North's longstanding goals is to increase the density of this neighborhood. This historically has been a densely populated urban community that has commerce and retail alongside a variety of housing types and stock. And and so, you know, really, you know, my vision is, is to get the neighborhood back to increasing density through additional rental. But really, I'm really most excited about our opportunities for home ownership. 
We work really closely with a, another nonprofit called Family Housing Advisory Services. They help create wealth building opportunities in a number of ways, but one of them is by preparedness for home ownership. And, and in late 2021, I'm planning on leading 75 North in this neighborhood into a really intensive home ownership strategy that will be mixed income. So again, that economic diversity kind of embedded into that model. And so we are putting together the, the the framework and the model so that we can come out the gate swinging with that with that initiative. But you know, you 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 have to think about there are all of these challenges that have presented themselves. This is already a, a community that is experiencing, you know, economic challenges, uh, families and businesses, but now we have COVID and now we have families that are dealing with insecurity around food or um, potential homelessness because they've lost jobs or are furloughed. And so, you know, our plans have to consider that. Our partnership has to consider that the times and the economic ramifications of some of our families um, and their readiness for home ownership. And so while I'm still excited that we'll be able to, you know, implement that phase of our, of our strategic plan, uh, next year um, and over the course of the next five years, really, we'll be we'll be building. These things have to be considered, and so one of the things that we've been able to do, we've done a couple of virtual meetings this year with with some of our community folks, folks that live in existing public housing in the community, and, and talked about their needs, talk about their education aspirations, their workforce aspirations. All of this plays into individuals and a community's ability to access wealth building um, opportunity like home ownership. And so that's one of the things that I'm most excited about, not only ac actually erecting those homes, but, but bringing our community along so that they're ready. A couple of weeks ago, I got an email from a Highlander resident that's lived here in one of our townhomes for a couple of years. And she asked me, what's the plan? What's the timeline for, for, uh, for single family home ownership? And she said, my family and I, we've been living across the street in a townhome and we want to stay in this neighborhood and invest roots in this neighborhood and buy a home. And it's like, I don't think that there's another, there's, there's a better way to summarize what our goals are for families in this neighborhood is, is that that embodies what our mission is and our goals are for this neighborhood in terms of sustainability and growth for our families. And so that's probably one of the biggest things that I'm excited about in the coming years. That's a big addition, probably something that's fraught with a lot of logistics and planning and, and, and thinking. I know from just some of my work that in the, in the month of September or August, you're going to come and talk to people that are interested in doing this work. We call them prospects and talk a little bit about community engagement. I, I'd love to hear a little bit because you're giving us different stories about you know, specific things that are happening with your residents. How do you see community engagement either similar or changing in this virtual world? And how do you stay connected to community when people are fearful of just interacting with each other? That is a, a, a tremendously important question right now when, you know, the base of your work, the foundation is community engagement and you're not able to engage in a way that um, you have you've done traditionally the way that you've deemed you know uh, appropriate and effective because folks can't you know physically come together in an enclosed environment it's a huge challenge and so one thing that we've done I mean yes we've done a couple of virtual meetings and you know the responses are mixed it's it's really hard to engage with folks when you're not you know able to touch them and see them and you know kind of feel their emotion. That can be a challenge. 
But right now that's our option. And so we've persisted. We've, we've held virtual meetings. Uh, we've been really active on social media. That's kind of been a saving grace for us. We have in the Highlander Accelerator, we have a, a technology lab that's sponsored by Cox Communications, which is our local you know, tech Wi-Fi TV provider. It's a technology lab in a classroom. And so we've been having virtual connect gatherings through a partnership with another nonprofit that does business development, that does entrepreneurship support. Uh, we've been live streaming those on Facebook. So, so we've been doing virtual kind of education engagement courses for folks considering COVID. We've been really uh, heavily relying on, on social media and other um, online platforms because we have to. We have been using um, our property management firm and door-to-door flyers and different and different things, but social media has been our saving grace. You know, if, if someone has you know more innovative solutions than that, we are all ears. But it's just been a challenge, though, finding ways to stay at the forefront so that we're understanding what folks' needs are and that we're able to facilitate you know access to resources for them. But it's a challenge, and and the thing is, the interesting thing is, I think. All of us, we've been putting this kind of moving target for when this will end. We'll say like, you know, when, when all of this ended, I think we were thinking like, well, when summer hits, you know, well, things will have cleared up. And then we're like, OK, well, when fall hits, you know, you know, when school's here, we'll be we'll be ready. Those there'll be some semblance of normalcy returned. And, you know, we've been pushing that target back and back and back. And, and honestly, I don't see, you know, an end in sight. And so I don't know what, how our psyches will be changed, um, what our new normal will be, but I don't believe it'll be anything that will look like what, we, what we're accustomed to. And so like we've done in the past, 75 North, like most community serving agencies across the country and across Omaha, we'll have to evolve, we'll have to adjust. And that's you know, something that we've had to do. So I think that, that that will apply here like it never has before. We've picked up on a lot of different threads of sort of equity and, you know, race and technology. And I'm just curious, kind of to your point that you just said, which is we keep waiting for, okay, when this happens in timeline, things will go back to normal. The communities in which we serve health is really an important aspect of the work, either directly or tangentially, right? Because we know these social determinants of health and a lot of things influence quality of life for people. All the things that are happening with COVID, where is 75 North in terms of supporting residents, you know, in what is going to be a long-term sort of road back on the health side of things? You know, right now, these are, you know, conversation points for our organization and for our board of directors as we think about what long-term will be our path. One of the things that we're constantly talking about right now is stress. You know, like life stressors are something that all of us deal with every single day, but it's, it's well-documented that people and families living in, in poverty deal with, a, you know, disproportionately uh, life stress than, than, than other demographics. Uh, and, and so when we talk about what that life stress does to the, the, to, to the detriment of someone's mental and physical health, those uh, social determinants of health, as you reference, you know, these have to be part of the conversation. And so that's what, that's what we're doing. We're, you know, when, when, when we're talking about accessing basic needs, 
you know, food, shelter, I consider technology access a basic need. You know, as we think about those telehealth services, when we think about how our children will learn in the future, all of this has to be considered for, for any organization implementing the purpose-built model, any organization doing work in, in historically underserved communities that have been devalued and disinvested, the psyches of families that have been living in that for decades, that intergenerational poverty, that level of stress is something that we talk about with, we have a federally qualified health center across the street, Charles Drew Health Center, that's a tremendous partner to 75 North. Those partners that are, we pull together experts, our education experts, so that we can address these things. This is just something that's, you know, at the foreground of what we're thinking about in terms of priority, but that stress and the impact on, on health and health outcomes and, and, and an individual's ability to achieve all the things that we hope to achieve in our lives and how long we live and how well we live are just are, 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 are things that we're thinking through strategically so that we can align ourselves with the right partners so that we can be a resource for our community. You know, I wish I had the, the answer or some resolve for that. You know, the only thing that I can offer is that's something that is a part of our strategy. It's a part of our thinking, something that we're looking to, to find solutions to. How is your um, neighborhood, you know, sort of reacting and participating in some of the protests and the social unrest? And are you seeing more interest and partnership and support for the work that you're doing and the way that you're doing it as a result of civil and racial unrest? Interestingly enough, 75 North has been the beneficiary of a tremendous amount of support because of what's going on with the, the social um, unrest um, and the Black Lives Matter movement. You know, 75 North has positioned ourselves as a response to a lot of what's going on around the country in some of these communities where people of color are being targeted and are unjustly, you know, victim of police brutality. And so we are, in, and I'll say we in Sydney as, as, our pres- as the organization's president and CEO, it's exciting to see folks stand up and demand to be heard and respected and included and demand these institutional systemic changes so that all of us can have a quality of life that we deserve. And so, yes, we've seen protests. We've seen um, kind of uprisings for, for folks, um, a lot of young people and people from all backgrounds and races standing together, which has been a beautiful thing to see and demanding change systemically. And so the, the really cool part is, as I mentioned, people are looking to 75 North as kind of a way forward. You know, the, the way that we position ourselves in Omaha through our partnership, the work that we're doing in a community that has been historically underserved has been tremendous to see that outreach and that support kind of drives our work. But, but yes, uh, mm-hmm. Omaha has, has seen, uh, we've, we've participated in this movement. It's such a, a time in history and, uh, you know, I'm, I'm proud that folks are, are viewing us as, as, a, as a solution and, and that we can say, yes, that Black Lives Matter and, and, and let that be the, the, you know, how we lead, continue the work that we're doing. Well, we've covered quite a bit of ground here, but I know there's just so much that's going on in Omaha and 75 North, as with a lot of our community quarterbacks. What haven't we talked about that you want to brag on either the neighborhood or an initiative or something that you are working on that would be great for our audience to hear? So at the beginning of this year, 
So I mentioned the the education piece of our work, that kind of leg, um, you know, doesn't get the spotlight like it should. And for us, that's our, our proudest component. We're proudest that we've, you know, for years, it took years to be able to, to get to a place where our Board of Education would unanimously approve our support of our neighborhood school and their reconstitution and the investments that we made in that school. So we're now five years into that partnership and we've been able to leverage the work that we've done over the past, you know, really nine years to now we've constructed adjacent to our elementary school and early learning center that services almost 170 babies and and kids and learners that are six weeks to pre-K. And so that's been a a tremendous um, accomplishment for the neighborhood and for the work that we're doing. The center uses the Educare model um, as a curriculum and it's it's filled to the seams. And we have another partner in that center that does kind of resources for other community-based and even home-based daycares and centers because we know that that center, all of the needs in our community, that center, unfortunately, can't fulfill. And so it's really important to have, you know, maybe the, the woman or the man down the street that for years has, you know, raised our, this community's babies and children and got them ready for, for elementary school. How can we increase the capacity of those centers? Because we know that, you know, families are still going to choose that as an option. And that when there's a wait list uh, for, for this, you know, brand new, beautiful center, who are the partners that we can refer and say, you know, this, this center is licensed. They're in compliance with our state, you know, regulation. We know them, we trust them. And so that gets no news coverage, but for us, that's a huge win for this neighborhood. And, and, you know, as we talk about this work, because, you know, true to the purpose built model, you know, we have a, a, a relatively small geographic focus for our neighborhood and we're hoping we can set ourselves up to be an example and kind of a pilot for other struggling neighborhoods throughout the, the northern quadrant of our city, the northeast quadrant, or throughout East Omaha, so that folks can take this work and replicate it and, and embed, you know, change in other schools that need it and other, for other families. And so that's probably one of the successes that I don't think we talk enough about. We're doing a lot of that work just behind the scenes through fundraising, through partnership through advocacy to make that work. And we probably need to talk about it a little bit more, but that's a huge win for this neighborhood. Well, and I'm glad I asked because that definitely is important. You know, our children are our future and education right now is, you know, potentially on a precipice of what happens to a whole generation of students. So the work that you're doing is very valuable. So as you know, maybe my last question, that I would ask you, and I'm going to go back to the top. You are. Uh, you just mentioned that your daughter is uh, just celebrated one year, and this amazing work that you have invested over uh, the number of years that you've been involved in 75 North and this effort. You know, take yourself. Let's say 20 years into the future, where she's a young lady. What is it that you want her to take away or to be able to see from her mother's foundational work and the contribution that you've been able to do in this? What do you want her to be able to talk about? Man, just the thought of my baby girl as a young woman, like I want to start crying right now. Just, just the thought of it, my baby. Oh, she's so awesome. You know, I want, I want her, I want my daughter to, to see in me and from this work, 
what hard work can produce, what dedication and resolve can produce, and what partnership is and what community is. You know, it's, it's super interesting. For the first nine or 10 years of my life, I actually grew up right down the street from I grew up in Highlander, essentially, probably eight or nine blocks south of from where I'm sitting right now. My family raised my siblings and I, I was about 10 and we moved to another community. I still, on my way home, drive by the big old blue house that I grew up in that's right down the street. And to be able to come full circle, to be president and CEO of this organization that's impacting real tangible change in this neighborhood. And for my daughter to to be able to one day know that and witness that to me is, I think, what what life is about and what, for me, what parenthood is about. And for me, I'm always thinking about, you know, how her spirit is and how her energy is. And I just want my baby to be happy and healthy. And that's what I want for the families in this community. I think that's what the purpose-built model is and the intention of this work is. It's for our children. It's to, to, to keep families together and, ha- and happy and healthy so that they can grow up spirited, interested, curious individuals that will go out and, and do something, leaving their own mark. And so when my baby's 20 years old and she drives through this neighborhood and past that old blue house, if it's still standing and knows that that's where her mama came from and knows that her mama had a hand in this neighborhood and its advancement. Like, I feel like I'll have succeeded in life if she can see in me that, you know, hard work and dedication can produce real, real change. And for me, that's what, that's why I live every single day now is for her and for that. I just appreciate that sort of living testimony of what you're trying to do, not only for your daughter, but in the families in which you support. So thank you so much, Sydney, for this opportunity to talk with you today.